Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Simon's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller. Welcome to Pro Wrestling Show. Didn't need to say it twice. Did it by accident. I'm just so pumped and excited to talk to you today. Going to do the cheap plug at the start, as always. Patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. That's how I do my show. That's where I don't put any ads in it or anything like that. Uh, that's how I fund it and finance it and all those boring things. And a massive thank you to everyone that continues to support me. You are lovely human beings and know that I think about you a lot, but not in a creepy way because, yeah, that would be weird and we don't want anything like that. We are going to get into double or nothing predictions because, of course, that's going down on Sunday. But there's just so much news we've got to talk about. And usually on the second show, we talk about Dynamite not happening till Saturday either. And what a crazy day I've got tomorrow, right? I've got, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to watch Smack Down, and I'm going to up those downs for that. And then I go back to my TV and I'm going to watch AEW. Then I'm going to up those downs for that. And then I'm going to sleep. And then I'm probably going to want to break from wrestling for a little bit. And then on Monday, we'll come back and we'll do it for double or nothing. So there is a lot of wrestling content out there. And we've got more coming down the pipe too. And we may even have another swerve at some point in the, uh, well, not in the near future, but at some point, who knows? Nick Khan, who is basically Vince McMahon's new right-hand man. I'm sure you've heard about him. Uh, when we have, you know, the financial quarterly meetings. And unfortunately, when people get fired, his name seems to come up too, because he has a lot of power and he's trying to shape the company in his image, obviously with the approval of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. But there was a report in this week's Wrestling Observer newsletter, Dave Meltzer, go check it out should you so wish, that said that apparently Nick Khan, at least some point towards March or April, maybe still chatting about it now, has reached out to New Japan Pro Wrestling NJPW and said, hey, would you like to be the you know, exclusive partner of us when it comes to American talent. And we all know about the Forbidden Door and AEW and Impact and all of that. But essentially what they would like to do is some WWE superstars would go over to New Japan and some New Japan guys would come into WWE. So if you ever want to see Drew Gulak versus Naito, maybe it's going to be on the cards very soon. I know I laughed there. I was just trying to think of the two most random people that nobody would ever put together because everyone's going to Carter and Roman Reigns and Abushi and Daniel Bryan. Who knows what else? Who knows what Daniel Bryan's doing at the moment? And I thought this was kind of fascinating. Now, it's clearly, I think it's true. It's not really being reported as rumors, so we'll take it as read. But either way, whether it is or isn't, the making this kind of a play is to stop New Japan talent going to AEW, right? It's another way to fight a shot across the bow. It's another way to keep this ridiculous war going. I don't necessarily think that would hurt All Elite Wrestling because really, who have we seen? Kenta? And uh, we've had a couple of other guys. But none of the big uh, the big wigs have actually made the jump yet because of the coronavirus. So it's not like all of a sudden we're going to feel like we're going to be missing out. Our expectations will be hit because obviously we've all fantasy booked seeing Omega versus uh, Cardo in, in, the, in Madison Square Garden for both belts or whatever the hell that we're going to do. But I just thought, what a fascinating twist in this tale. I mean... Are they actually going to do it? Probably not, would be my guess, just because for the last, what, 25, more than that, 45 years, Vince McMahon has been a very insular company. They don't often, if ever, work with anybody outside their walls, especially not another major player. And let's face it, when it comes to Japan, New Japan is king. It's one of the reasons why we didn't see this NXT Japan that WWE, especially Triple H, had talked about for a while. 
because they just kind of knew if they tried to get in there, it probably would just not, not fail. Maybe that's a bit extreme, but it would not live up to their expectations because most people would be like, well, I'd rather watch New Japan, so I'm going to go and do that. However, we are in a changing world, I suppose, and a lot of and you never say never in wrestling either. So maybe there's every chance that it could happen. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that... How does that sort of, you know, play out when you get to a WrestleMania? Because if all of a sudden you've got those two companies working together and a Wrestle Kingdom, I would imagine if you are a WWE guy, you don't really want a New Japan guy coming to take your WrestleMania spot. And it's the same with Wrestle Kingdom over in the East. Because these are the shows that you look forward to and these are the shows that you build up. So I don't think you want to do it like the WCW stuff in 2001. I think it should really be like AEW has done it so far, if it were to happen, which is as and when it makes sense, maybe on a B pay-per-view or at WrestleMania too, but not the super main event unless you have a really good idea. You can just bolster your cards with some effectively dream matches. But it's, I mean, when did we ever think we'd be in a position where tentatively we're discussing who is New Japan going to sign with? Coronavirus has changed this a lot because, of course, New Japan's major plan was to, you know, dominate the West in their own personal way. It's why they were running more shows. It's why they opened the dojo, which I believe is in LA. They totally thought to themselves, okay, we're never going to you know, outmuster WWE, but if we can get to the same level as an AEW or, you know, somewhere between that, that's going to be pretty decent because obviously they don't just want to be a Japanese company. They want to be a worldwide company making as much money as possible. They are kind of... I want to say that dire straits is a bit too much, but there is a state of emergency in Japan. It is causing them a lot of problems. They've lost a lot of revenue. I mean, at the moment, they don't even have an IWGP champion because, well, Osprey had to give up the belt due to injuries. And I know there was a lot of rumors that, oh, there's uh, unrest and, you know, Will Osprey gave the belt up. I never put too much credence in, though, in that because, I mean, Will Osprey essentially had spent lockdown and the pandemic saying, I'm going to beef up and I'm going to live my dream of becoming the new Japan champion, which he did, and more play to him. But if you've ever sort of listened to him in interviews, it sounds like New Japan is his dream. He enjoys the creativity. He enjoys how he's treated. I'm not saying that there hasn't been some arguments or some rows. That's just, you know, working at a job. I'm sure all you guys have done that too. But he did post a bunch of x-rays and, you know, there's a bunch of stuff out there. I just think he's beaten up badly and he needs to recover. And I mean, hopefully he doesn't need any surgery or anything like that. But he may have to go through, he may have to go through the wars. Now, you know, this could have been pushed on by the fact that, yes, there was a falling out. And he's like, you know what? I'm injured, I beat up. It sucks that I have to do this now, but I got to do what's right for me. But here we are, you know, weeks later or a week later, 10 days, whatever it may be. And we don't have an IDW champion. And that's because, you know, New Japan don't really know when they're going to be running shows. They sent a bunch of people home because they were like, look, we're not going to be able to run shows for a while. You may as well go back to your own HQs. And sort of en route to going to their homes, they were told, oh, no, we're going to start again at the end of May. And we had that show the other day too. So, it's every chance that they may need. I'm assuming there's going to be some financial benefit if they did do this. And I don't think AEW, I mean, maybe they would do now, but beforehand, AEW never would have offered them an exclusive deal. They wouldn't have said, hey, we'll give you a bunch of money or whatever the incentives may be. It was more just like a shake of a hand, a pat on the back, right? It's like, well, you do this for you and we'll do that for you too. You know, it's so is it scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. That's what AEW was going to do. And that's why people were mostly excited. I don't know which one I would be more excited about because, again, you can argue this to the cows come home. There's loads of guys you want to see clash in AEW and New Japan, but there's also loads of guys you want to see clash in WWE and New Japan. I know sometimes WWE can come the kicking boy, but that doesn't... The, the roster is amazing. Like, if you told me I was going to get Ishii versus Kevin Owens, 
I'm pretty pumped about that, right? It's pretty good. If you did do Roman Roman Reigns versus Okada, I'm pretty pumped about that. I don't know, Drew McIntyre versus Abushi. Like, there's a bunch of, you know, people we could do this with, and it would be like, oh, crap, this feels like a big deal. But I was massively surprised by that story. Not something I was ever expecting to see. Will it go down? I'm still, like I said, it's really, really difficult to believe that this is something that's on the cards. Just because I've been watching WWE a long time, and I know how, I know how it goes. But I'm not against it on, on any on any stretch of the. I mean, I hope it doesn't. Um, it's difficult because I completely do believe they're doing this to try and <laughs> we'll show you AEW. But then as a fan, I do still get something out of it. I just hope we can conduct it in the most business way like possible. And like I say, we'll talk about double nothing in a minute. We'll stick with WWE for the time being because SummerSlam is going down on a Saturday. I don't get this one at all. So I think it's still happening from Las Vegas. It's going to be the 21st. I think the 21st of August, which just happens to be the same night as Pacquiao versus uh, Spence, which is I mean, why, which I also think is in Las Vegas. Why on earth would you risk a live audience? I don't think well, there's going to be some crossover between boxing and wrestling. There just has to be combat sports. I would be one of those people. I want to watch the fight and I want to watch SummerSlam. Now, given what I do, and because I have a greater love for professional wrestling, of course, I will prioritize SummerSlam. But there will be people who's probably was up for watching SummerSlam because they still see it as a big pay-per-view. And then all of a sudden, well, I'm not going to watch that over, you know, over this boxing match. I'll catch up the next day. But the other factor is, why the hell is it on a Saturday? I'm sure that WWE has run Saturdays in the past, but it doesn't feel like it. The routine, it's like Sunday night is WWE night. It's why when AEW first came in and they started doing Saturdays, everybody loved it. It's like, oh my gosh, I can watch it on a Sunday. I'm not going to go to work. But you never heard anyone go, oh, I'd love WWE to do this because we just knew what the tradition was. Now, I am the uh, the odd guy out with this. I love a pay-per-view on a Sunday because I get to do it for my job. So I get to wake up on a Monday. I'm like, oh, sweet. I got a pay-per-view to watch. But I don't get it at the moment. And I'm sure new details are going to come out. It does sound like they have a major main event. There's too much smoke. There's too much smoke. Uh, there's, no- there's too much smoke without fire. Whatever that stupid saying is. The point is too many people that have reputable... Uh, reputations are going with the idea that we are going to do John Cena versus Roman Reigns 2. First one happened at No Mercy 2017. It was a little bit weird. John Cena kind of eviscerated him on the microphone given the Roman Reigns character. He wasn't able to fire back and then Roman beat him. Cena was kind of gone. You were like, oh, it didn't really have the fallout and the impact that you would have expected, even though it was meant to be Cena passing the torch to Roman. But I guess that would come into the persona and the attitude towards Roman Reigns, the big dog, blah, blah, blah. You spool forward to now, and John Cena is in a completely different position. I mean, he's on the cusp of becoming a Hollywood movie star. And Roman Reigns is the guy we always wanted him to be. So if John Cena kicks down the door and does what he did to him back in 2017, Roman Reigns is going to have the confidence and the platform to be able to go, shut up, man, and then, you know, get his revenge by probably ripping Cena on the mic. And that's why it excites me so much. And also, just on a fundamental level, I think it's a big match. And I know I think it's a big match because when I saw it, I was like, yep, that's the kind of thing I want at Survivor Series, Survivor Series SummerSlam. And then somebody else said, oh, imagine we did Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. I'm like, now we're talking. Now we're putting together a card and maybe you could, you know, sell out a stadium. Oh, I don't know, it's difficult, 60,000 people. But maybe you could if you do get the right kind of names. But it is going to be an interesting summer. Obviously, it'll be our second pay-per-view back. The first one being Money in the Bank on July 19th, 16th, something, you know, sometime mid-July. Yeah, I did say, I did a video for What Culture about this and I did, it just came off the top of my head, say that there's every chance John Cena wins the money in the bank. (laughs) 
and then he cashes in a month later. Now, I don't want to do that because I think it's a waste of money in the bank. I would like someone to actually get it and use it and hold on to it and increase their stardom. But this is WWE. And just before I move on from this, you have an awesome story as well. Because if John Cena were to win the Universal Championship, it would be his 17th reign. I always get confused with the numbers. But obviously, Ric Flair's is 16, even though in reality it's more than 16. But this is what we've been told. So John Cena would get to the top of that perch. And I don't think John Cena should win. I don't think John Cena will be back for that long. He'll probably come back at that first live SmackDown on the 15th or 16th of July. And then he'll probably be gone by SummerSlam. Maybe he does a show afterwards after he loses to Roman. And it all depends on what the end goal with Roman is. Like, we should build him up as big as possible before somebody else comes along and then, you know, takes his thunder, much like The Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. I know we didn't do it with that but that was always the idea or at least so we thought i mean it still hate it still helped brock lesnar i will never uh, i will die on that hill brock lesnar was still a badass but after the wrestlemania streak he was the end of level boss which is where roman is now but if you can start running down the people you've beaten you know daniel bryan the fiend braun Strowman, and then you throw john cena in there it is going to tie into roman reigns's act i don't think john cena needs to beat him unless you've got a plan to do a rubber match as well not at wrestlemania that wouldn't work because it just wouldn't feel the same but if you have got John Cena to come back a couple of months after that, you could probably get away with it. You know, I mean, Brock Lesnar lost to Goldberg at Survivor Series in 2016. And if I was, you know, again, we're on the Friday today. If we were on the Friday before that Sunday and I'd been saying, oh, Goldberg, you'd be like, what are you talking about? But it worked out brilliantly, right? Got that WrestleMania 33 match and the belt went back onto Brock. And it was almost like it didn't happen. We just had some fun over those few months. So it is, you can pull it off. But it's going to be fascinating. And none none of that is set in stone, of course. We don't know what's going to happen. But I did think when I heard it, I was like, well, this is the kind of stuff that that I'm into. Do not understand (laughs) the the Saturday night. But maybe I'm missing something. Again, they've put a lot of thought, a lot of time into this. It's not like they don't know there's a boxing uh, fight on that night. I just think it's strange. They're both going to be in Las Vegas. And I, I don't really follow this kind of statistics. But a lot of people do say that Las Vegas is not really a stronghold for wrestling. You know, people don't pile out. But we are living in different times. People may be excited. So there you go. That's what's happening in WWE. Maybe we will get to WrestleMania. And it will be... Um, <laughs> it will be uh, Akada versus Roman Reigns. And... I can't even remember what we were talking about now. My brain's gone. And we'd have done a crazy SummerSlam match. So I just I got one of my Google alerts. This actually helps because we can talk about this now. Apparently, Impact Wrestling has reached out to multiple former WWE superstars. This is a report in Fightful Select. Uh, and they want some of them to turn up at Slammiversary, which is going on the day before Money in the Bank. Because, of course, it is. There's too much wrestling in the world. But that would be, I mean, that would be who? Samoa Joe, The Iconics, Mickey James, Chelsea Green. Uh, Tucker was in that list. Callisto, who's apparently still doing a boxing fight. You've got Bo Dallas. You've got Mojo Rawley. You've got Wesley Blake. I can see Mojo Rawley in Impact to tie in everything with Brian Myers and Matt Cardona. I actually think that would be quite funny. I bet nobody else likes that. The Iconics should go there. They've got a really good, um, what do you call it? Women's division, obviously the knockouts division. And... I think they'd fit in. I think they offer something different. Like, I, I, they're just stupid. They've got a brand new podcast as well where they talk about this kind of stuff. So um, I would like to see that. Obviously, I'd like to see Samojo everywhere. I actually wouldn't want him to sign an exclusive deal with Impact. I'd rather see him go here, there, and everywhere. I'd see New Japan, AEW, MLW, whenever the hell he wants to go. But we don't know what his health status is, of course. And that's the most important thing. I know, boring, boring, blah, blah, blah. But it just that's just how I feel about it. So... A lot of crazy stuff going on. We'll have to see how that all transpires, how it all works out. I'm intrigued about the SummerSlam show massively. I mean, you know, WWE has huge plans for returning to the road. 
And if they're going to change some stuff up. I mean, another thing that I'm excited about is apparently that Raw and SmackDown are going to get new looks. And I really hope... It's a kind of a shame because that SmackDown look still felt new. But we still never really separated... It wasn't like... You know, when you watch SmackDown, it didn't feel crazy different to Raw. And given that Raw is now... <laughs> not as good as smackdown we probably should put some stuff in there we didn't talk about tom phillips either because he was let go in between the shows couldn't believe that one i really like tom phillips i thought he did his job excellently i thought his backstage stuff with the likes of kevin owens and uh, chris jericho was always top very very strange decision but we'll have to wait and see if any other news comes out but I, if i was you know the owner of a wrestling company i would try and uh yeah i would try and get him pretty quick but I just think he's that good. I, I I do. I think he does. I mean, we'd have to hear what he sounds like when he's not being produced by double WWE because that maybe that's his strengths. We don't know. But on paper, I always thought he was pretty decent. Let us talk about Double or Nothing 2021 going down on Sunday night. Again, I appreciate that AEW, but I understand most people listening to this are super, super mad <laughs> that this has happened. I get it. I totally do. But we do have a pre-show match got announced in the week, which is going to be Serena Deeb defending her NWA World Women's Championship against Riho. That's just going to be a damn good match. I mean, that's it's the kind of thing where there's no build, and usually that would irk me a little bit. But when I know it's just two good wrestlers and they're going to have a really good wrestling match, you can quite easily justify it in your head. I don't think you give the belt to Riho. I think if you're going to do that, you need to build it up. But that doesn't mean you can't start somewhat of a program here. Bit of a strange thing to have a match. Somebody wins, somebody loses, and then you do the feud. But you know, there are ways to do it. You just have to come up with something. The other reason I do like it is because, and this is no offense to WWE, it's just kind of what they've done. Their pre-shows always feel like, well, we just need to do something, so we're going to do it. It really ties back into that Survivor Series where the New Day won a match, and it didn't count on the final counters when it was Raw SmackDown and maybe versus NXT 2. So you're like, okay, you've literally just told me I don't need to worry. I've never got that from, uh, from AEW. It feels like everything is everything you see has been designed for you to watch, and anything that is on the pre-show is literally there to try and get some extra buy rate and try and entice people in who may be on the fence and given that ratings wise the women's division has been doing pretty damn well it makes a lot of sense but i will go with serena deeb i think they have a terrific match i don't think serena deeb taps out i said this on my on my what culture video too please go check that out i don't know why uh, sorry Riho taps out I, I just think you can save that for down the line if that's what you want to do and serena deeb has plenty of impact moves she can use instead we will stick with the women's division because we're also getting Sheeda versus Britt Baker. I want to give a massive shout out to Sheeda. She has now held that belt for over a year, which means she went pretty much through the entire pandemic. And what a great job she did. I mean, she's a terrific pro wrestler as it is, but she seemed to develop and get better. And she just got it. And she had matches with pretty much everybody. And the reason I'm talking about her like this is because I think it's time for her to lose. And that's not necessarily on her shoulders. It's a bit like when John Moxley won the world title. You could have sold me and convinced me on the idea that Chris Jericho could have held on to that and it would have been okay. But just the way the world was spinning and the reaction to John Moxley at the time, you're like, you know what? Even if this wasn't the plan, we got to give him the title. And that's kind of what Britt Baker has done. I know it's been strange because you lost that unsanctioned match, but it was an unsanctioned match. And you can roll your eyes, but that's why they did it. It didn't count on the record book. She then won a bunch of matches and she moved herself into this position. Rebel slash Reba is probably going to smack Sheeta right in the face with a crutch or a kendo stick after it gets involved. That's kind of obvious, but Britt Baker is meant to be a massive dick, so I'm all right with it. She will lock in the lock jaw, tap out, and this kind of breaks wrestling in 2021. I will celebrate the bad guy winning <laughs> because I am an absolute moron. 
Let's go to another match that I'm excited about that doesn't actually have any consequences apart from someone's going to win and lose. Sting and Darby Allen, father and son, taking on Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Real fascinating of a, uh, a contest, this, because Sting having a match live, right? No cinematic, no, I'm not sure, I doubt he was super protected in that, but you can protect somebody more because you are recording it. You can stop, you can start, you can stop, you can start. So you don't really want to see him lose. At least I don't. I know he's 62 years old, but he's Sting. And he's always going to have that allure about him. He's always going to have that aura. I'm a massive Sting fan. But on the other side of the fence, you have Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, who are a brand new tag team and need a big win. And if you have them beat Sting and Darby Allen, they are established as a tag team. They can probably move into the tag team title picture. And given that later on I'm going to talk about that you could have a change there, meaning a couple of baby faces have those championships. Maybe Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page could even be the first contenders. But then you have Sting lose. And then sort of the wild card in order, this is Darby Allen, because he's just coming off a loss as well. Now, his matches were so good, I don't think anything matters. And he's he's got Jeff Hardy popularity now, where you can lose, 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 and nobody's going to care. But he did drop his TNT title. And if it was anybody else, sort of a proper super-duper main event star, they would not lose in this match. But I still think on that hierarchy, you would put Sting above him, because you'd put Sting above most people. So I truly can see Darby Allen going for some kind of crazy dive, and Father being like, son, what have you done? And Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page take advantage of that and they get the victory. So again, you're kind of saving face a little bit. I don't massively enjoy it when companies do that too much. But when it stands to reason, I'm like, okay, cool. I get it. It is wrestling. So that's what I'm going to go with. I'm not confident about this at all. I was just looking at it and I was thinking, what would I do? And you get more worth about turning Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page into a massive team. Because we haven't really seen much of them on Dynamite either, apart from the build to this match. Like a lot of their victories have been coming on uh, Evolution and Dark. So yeah, I'm intrigued about this one, but that's good. That's what you should. That's the whole point. You can sell pay-per-views on, even with these sort of mid-card matches, we'll call it, not in a disparaging way. You get that intrigue in people's head and everyone's like, oh man, I've got to tune in because I want to see who's going to win and lose. So I'm going to go for the bad guys, which makes me a bad person. And I'm going to flip that when it comes to the Bucks versus John Moxie and Eddie Kingston, essentially because of that thing. This kind of ties into what Mox did before. Do you need to take the belts off the Young Bucks? Absolutely not. And I don't understand all this craziness out there. And you're allowed to like what you like. You're allowed to hate what you hate. It doesn't. It's just opinions, right? It really doesn't matter. But to me, I think that I think the Young Bucks are probably the best tag team in the world. I think when all is said and done, we'll probably look back on them as one of the best tag teams of all time. I think they can work good guy. I think they can work bad guy. I actually enjoy them more as bad guys because they're such assholes. I think it's incredibly entertaining. They can work flippy dippy matches. They can work story matches. They can work old school matches. I just think they're two terrific professional wrestlers that are also decent single stars, but when they come together, just reach a whole nother level. But maybe that's a reason why they can lose because they're put on such a good match. We'll just be talking about that. But if you do give it to John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, the fans are going to love it. And don't forget, we've essentially sold out Daly's Place. Also, we're going to get it shot differently. Do you remember when we did Fight for the Fallen a year or so ago, whenever it, or more than that, a couple of years ago, when it looked a bit like the South Park wrestling match, which is where Tony Khan got the idea. They're switching it up so it actually feels like they've gone to a different arena, which is really, really clever. But I think with a packed out place and wanted to make people feel good and the fact that everybody wants to see Matt and Nick Jackson get their asses kicked for obvious reasons, you can have Moxie and Eddie Kingston win. And they don't have to hold the belts for ages. I like the fact that AEW invests in their champions, except for the TNT belt, because that should be defended on TV. But every now and then, if you come up with a narrative and someone only holds it for six, eight weeks, that's all right. That's okay. As long as the changes mean something and you don't do it all the time, you are not going to uh, water down those belts. So... It's what I want to see. Again, then Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page can say, well, we just beat Sting and Darby Allen. We should get a shot. And that's kind of a cool match too. You could probably do it on TV. John Moxie versus Eddie, uh, and Eddie Kingston versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. 
that feels like an exciting new tag matchup that I've never seen. So I'll keep my fingers crossed for that. Also got another wacky, uh, not cinematic this time, or well, some of it's going to be, but I think some of it is going to be shot live too, or you know, shown live, which is the stadium stampede match. And if the inner circle lose, they must disband as a team forever. And they're taking on the pinnacle. I still find it very weird we're doing this so close to blood and guts because on paper, I get the feeling that the pinnacle should win, but I just do not believe the inner circle are going to break up because that's kind of a crappy ending, isn't it, for the inner circle? They dominated, met their equals, lost in a big cage match, and then lost again and they break up. It's like, oh. <laughs> and I also worry what would happen to the individual guys within it. Most would be okay. But again, I think when they come together, they're, they're stronger than the sum of their parts. Which means the inner circle are going to win, which then begs the question, what does that say about the pinnacle? Because aside from blood and guts, they haven't felt as dominating as I assumed they were going to. Simply because we have just, you know, we skipped through these beats so fast, which is not a bad thing. It's never boring. It's always entertaining. But maybe it lacks that build where you can you can super duper invest. And just on that logic alone, I gotta go with the inner circle. I think Chris Jericho probably gets the pin against somebody random, because I think afterwards you go into Jericho versus MJF, you go into Jake Hagar versus Wardlow, you go into Sammy Guevara versus Sean Spears, and of course you go Santana Ortiz versus Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood. So Chris Jericho, I, I can't see him pinning MJF. And, well, actually, I probably have to take it back now I've said that, because then you could do the other match, whatever the hell the next pay-per-view or big TV event is, and then MJF, MJF can get his win back. And MJF did beat him when they did. Oh, man, I said, I said Sean Spears on my other predictions video. I'm taking it back. I think Chris Jericho probably does pin MJF because then they're one-on-one. MJF can say, well, that's not fair. You know, I got blasted in a stadium stampede match beforehand. Then you do the third one, MJF wins, and you go from there. That's what I'm going with. Thanks, Brain. Uh, the TNT Championship is also on the line. Miro versus Lance Archer. Do you know how much I'm looking forward to this? It's just going to be two massive dudes kicking the absolute hoo-ha out of each other. I'll be livid if Miro loses the championship, which kind of makes me a hypocrite for what I just said, but I am biased towards Miro. And aside from maybe Tank Miro or Tink Tank Rusev, this is probably my favorite version of, you know, the characters that he's played. And if he can absolutely destroy Lance Archer, who of course is a monster, and then have another match on Dynamite and kill that guy, just keep killing dudes until maybe even Darby Allen wins it back for him or you can choose somebody else. I just think at that point, it'll be so well established. And yeah, it was a little bit of a rocky start when he came into AEW with the video game stuff, but that's okay. You've got to try some stuff and it doesn't work. Go back to something else. That's just how it works. I would always rather somebody tried something new than we just do the same thing over and over and over again. I just think that's a bit dull. So Miro wrecks him. Maybe Jake Roberts makes a mistake again so somebody can save face. I'm happy that Miro just hits his big move. I'm happy if Miro taps Lance Archer out with the game over. Why wouldn't you mind that? Also getting Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Cage. This one is a lock to me. Hangman Adam Page has to win. He's already lost to Brian Cage once. He can get his win back, start going up the rankings, face Kenny Omega, maybe even at the next pay-per-view, and then he should lose. I know I keep saying that, but I think that's a much more William Shakespeare type story, and your heart will break, and then Hangman Page will have to go through this whole... Uh, rehabilitation which he's already going through so it's like he rehabs himself but then he falls and then he gets back and he becomes a champion which makes the win even more sweet you've got to assume that ricky starks and team taz also get involved here i'm booking a lot of schmoz i hope i'm completely wrong but i think we're going to at least take brian cage brian cage brian cage brian cage out of the team or at least that's what we've been hinting at and the best way to do that is for ricky starks to cause a, a ride distraction then on dynamite brian cage loses his mind it's a shame it's not in a cage match. I know I've told this joke before, but I like it. I want Hangman Adam Cage versus Brian Cage in a cage in a battle for the ages. It's got to happen. It's got to happen for my stupid life. I'll be dead one day, 
And if I don't get it, I'm never going to get over it. <laughs> We've got the Casino Battle Royal, which I always love. I hope I've got this right. This is why I did my, my research. And I've got it down as Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse Hobbs, Penta, Jungle Boy, Matt Hardy, Mark Quinn, Isaiah Cassidy, The Blade, Evil Uno, Colt Cabana, Preston uh, Vance or Ten, Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, QT Marshall, Nick Comorato, Dustin Rhodes, Lee Johnson, and of course, the wild card, the Joker. I think it comes down to Christian Cage or whoever the hell the wild card Joker is. I don't mind Christian Cage winning and then cashing in his chip at some point in the future, not this Thursday or Wednesday or Friday, whenever the hell it is next week on Dynamite. But doing a TV match between Omega and Christian Cage, I think they have a great match. I think there's enough worth there that people would tune in. It just, to me, ticks all the boxes. And of course, Christian Cage is losing. Kenny Omega holds the belt, but it's a match I just want to see. However, people are mentioning Brian Danielson's name, obviously Daniel Bryan. Do I think it's him? No, I don't. But if it is, he 100% would have to win. Although I did do that video on What Coach the other day that I would implore you to go and watch and that if I was going to debut Daniel Bryan in AEW, I would have him debut in this match. I would have him win. And then I'd have him face uh, Kenny Omega, whatever the next pay-per-view is, all out Chicago in September. And I would have him lose and then I'd have him leave the company, not because they hate him, but because he only signs a short-term deal before he does go to New Japan, before he does go to CMML and, and Ring of Honor else he wants to go because that's what daniel bryan has been preaching i want to be a proper free agent so it could be andrade and outside of that i can't think of anybody i would say and i don't mean this in a bad way either if it is somebody else i don't think they win because i don't think they have the name power but look we did it with matt seidel last time and it was fine i didn't think it hurt him at all so if there's a guy uh, on that level and they come in have a great showing and they just you know, mix it up with the roster. Excellent. As long as I enjoy the surprise, and the, as always, the narrative is told well, I don't mind. Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. Obviously, I assume Cody Rhodes will be with his dudes and Anthony Agogo will be with his guys. This storyline has rubbed, not rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but they haven't really got it. I just think both guys have gone out of their way to make it something. I get that America versus USA is, America versus USA, America versus the UK is a little bit 1980s wrestling, but that's okay. I don't mind that. And I think Anthony Agogo has been having so much fun with it on social media, just saying like, America is the worst place ever and I hate it. And that's the reason I'm doing this because I want to, you know, I want to absolutely destroy everything about the united states i think it's fantastic it really makes me laugh and he keeps calling cody rhodes piss boy <laughs> it's just so silly now i've kind of had a change with heart with this i could see cody winning because he's doing it you know it's the american dream which i do enjoy because you can see how much it means to him right and that's what wrestling is all about connecting emotionally and also he's fighting for his homeland i can see them doing it but i think the better story is anthony agogo they have a proper match it's not like the other ones that anthony agogo's done we have a proper match eventually agogo you know cracks him with the fist cracks him in the stomach down he goes and he can't continue because he's injured maybe he's got a broken rib maybe he's got internal bleeding like you can sell that with the commentators and then cody goes away for a while like he did when he lost to Brody lee then he comes back gets his revenge but in doing that you turn anthony agogo into a star because he's basically knocked off one of the top dudes in the company and as long as you leave it long enough, then Anthea Gogo gets a bunch of other wins, maybe even wins a TNT title. I'm just throwing it out there, just popped into my brain. It would be kind of difficult because the Gogo versus Miro is a weird matchup given their personas. But then when he does come back, it doesn't even matter if he does reclaim his win, which all wrestling companies do, because it would have gotten a Gogo to the point where he's on that level. I think it's going to be a really good match. I think Anthony Gogo is going to surprise people. There is too many positive noises coming out of AEW's camp. If you were a little bit worried about it, I think you'd play it a little bit safer. They're not doing that. They are shining him up. And, I, and I, you know, he is a natural athlete. You know, he's an Olympic-level boxer. The only reason he retired from boxing is because his eye got all screwed up. So 
it's not like he gave up or anything like that. I think this is a dude that has his head screwed on pretty tightly and i'm excited to see what he's going to do and more power to him say to cody Rhodes, i hope they smash it and there's a few nay- naysayers out there i hope they prove them wrong and i think the main event is well, i assume it's going to be the main event you know the triple threat match kenny omega versus orange cassidy versus pack pretty sure i can't think of another triple threat match we've done in aew i'm sure i'm forgetting some but i'm 99 sure it's never been for the world title so that's exciting in itself and i think there's something in this I don't see why you don't do Kenny Omega versus Pack, and then later on do Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy. Unless what they want to do is they do want to go to Kenny Omega versus Pack, but they want to do it on TV so Orange Cassidy can take the loss here. But I, something is there is something here. I'm probably being a conspiracy theorist, and I'm probably looking for things that don't exist. But I just have this feeling that it's not as straightforward as you assume it's going to be. I think Kenny Omega wins. There's no way to me we come out this weekend and Kenny Omega isn't the AEW world champion. But I think there's a reason for this triple threat. And in terms of predictions, yes, I'm going to assume that Orange Cassidy does take the pin. And what that does to Pac, I don't know. But it has made me quite excited about it. Mostly, I just think they're going to have such a good match. It's going to be like, who even cares? Like, this is the greatest match. Well, not the greatest match I've ever seen in my life. It's something that's just so enjoyable and so so over the top that... Whatever they do, I will enjoy the journey so much and I'll take the destination at face value, which I always do. And some people don't like it, but hey-ho, that's just what I'm like. It also sounds like, I mean, we're essentially in summer. Let's say summer starts on June 1st. That's a couple of days away. Shaq dropped on his, um, I think it was his NBA show he does. I think he's on ESPN. We don't get it over here, obviously. That he's going to be resting again during the summer months. So I don't know where that's going to be another tag team. With Cody Rhodes, maybe we do the long... Uh, long-awaited Big Show versus Shaq match. You know, on paper, you probably roll your eyes or how they're going to pull that off, but they pulled the other one off, so I'm not going to get ahead of myself there. So, yeah, I think that'll be interesting. How are they going to explain how he disappeared from the the ambulance? I have no idea. And we actually have more comebacks in WWE because Sasha Banks and Edge have been announced for the July, uh, you know, first live SmackDown with fans. So they're going to be coming back too. And of course, there's all the other rumors. Oh, SummerSlam, Undertaker's going to be there. I don't think Undertaker's going to be there, right? That's just, that's just my guess. Maybe I'm wrong. I think he's retired. I think he's done. I think most of this was spun from the fact that the Undertaker posted a training picture of himself. I kind of like to think that... I don't even phrase this. I kind of like to think that Undertaker knows there is no point in him coming back now. You have to draw a line under it at some point. Doesn't mean they may be able to come up with something awesome that makes sense. But for now, I just personally, you know, I, I just put, I, he can do whatever he wants. I don't buy into this whole, oh, he's destroying his legacy. The legacy is still there. You can still go back and watch all of this stuff. And if he wants to do it, he's allowed. He's a grown man. It's not going to upset me. But I think, I don't think it adds anything either. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of on the, I'm kind of on the fence. Before we do wrap up as well, I want to mention NXT this week. I did it for What Culture, so I was able to properly sit down and check it out. And Finn Balor is just a terrific professional wrestler. It didn't surprise me when there were reports that apparently the Raw writing team were like, can we have Finn Balor? Can we have Finn Balor? And NXT like, no, Finn Balor is ours. But he had that world title match against Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross won. And I think Karrion Cross gets a hard time for some people. I can understand why he's being pushed in the way that he does. But Finn Balor is just on. He's just superb. He is. And he should be back on Raw or SmackDown. Raw especially. I know a lot of people were pushing for him to be on SmackDown for obvious reasons. It's the much better show. But Raw needs help. And if you have a guy that is as good as Finn Balor, I mean, the reason he got put on NXT is because he wasn't being used very well in the main roster. But I would keep all of my fingers crossed that they understand they have to plug a hole and they treat him like... uh, 
you know, like a uh, the huge deal. Because that way you tell the fans he's a huge deal. That's how wrestling works. You tell me how I'm supposed to respond to this guy. And as long as he's presented that way, I'll totally believe it. So I'll keep my fingers crossed for that. I would like to see him because uh, I don't get to watch NXT that much just because of my schedule, which sucks. It's a great show. I thought from top to bottom, really fun stuff. Really enjoyed seeing the Million Dollar Man, one of my favorite characters ever in Cameron Grimes and LA Knight. I just thought they were having a bunch of fun. So I was having a bunch of, uh, a bunch of fun too. Adam Cole wasn't on the thing. You know, I know that I know it kind of ties into a story, but there have been rumors of call-ups from NXT. Could he be one of them? Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? People are obviously worried that he wouldn't be used correctly. I don't know. Stranger things have happened. Look at Daniel Bryan. And we will end this 28th of May 2021 show by saying happy birthday to Seth Rollins, who I think is 35 today. And I saw somebody, it was on Reddit or some kind of forum, they were like, I can't believe we're wasting Seth Rollins in his prime. He's not wasted to me. I love crazy drip drip mad clothes Seth Rollins. I think that guy is, I well, I, he entertains me. And that's all I care about. Would I like him to go back into that face role where he's the world champion and we all beloved him, which was the case at, is it WrestleMania 34 or 35? I can't remember, whichever one it was. Of course I want that. It was working really well. And then we had a terrible time with, you know, we did that stupid thing on Raw where, was it the NWO and D-Generation Jake shared a hug and he was on the outside. Those visuals never help. And um, what was the other thing? Oh, Hell in a Cell 2019. I mean, absolute murder. <laughs> it was. But we can move past all of that. Look at Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley had that weird thing with his sisters a couple of years ago. Now he's an absolute badass WWE champion. So nobody is buried forever, right? And I'll keep my fingers crossed for that. And that's pretty much the updates for this week because there are no shows to talk about. I watched Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling is um, plodding along is a bit too negative, but it's moving nicely towards against all odds. I'm really excited about Moose versus Sammy Callahan because I think uh, Moose versus Sammy Callahan versus Omega because I think that presents an entirely different challenge to Kenny and he'll answer it. I do think Sammy Callahan will get involved because obviously we had the tag match between those two guys and the Good Brothers and Moose just booted. <laughs> he just booted Sammy Callahan because he was so pissed off. I like Diana Prato versus Rosemary. Rosemary is a character who I feel grows on you as well. I find all the Johnny Singer stuff absolutely perplexing as people yell at me every single week, but I am one but man. That's just how I feel. And to be honest, the Brian Myers stuff I thought was better this week. I like that he's got a protege and I like that he wanted to kill Matt Cardona. That's essentially what he told us. I'm excited about Josh Alexander versus TJP in an Iron Man match too. I didn't like the setup. I just find the X Division title gets lost in these bizarre random tag team matches too much. And also the fact that, you know, Diona Prazzo is now facing Romer at the pay-per-view because she got pinned. And it's the same for Josh Alexander. It just blurred the lines a little bit too much, but it wasn't a big deal. It's not a major criticism. But I do like, well, I'm both, I'm both taught, I like and think it's weird that we're going to have an Ironman match next week, one hour. And the first half of it is going to be on BTI, which is Impact's pre preview show. And then after that, we're going to have the other half an hour, I assume, in the first part of Impact. <laughs> which is so bizarre because if you don't know this you're going to tune in and they're going to go oh hey we're halfway through a match like, well, i missed something how do i go back and watch it but maybe that's the idea maybe if they have a banger for 30 minutes you'll be inclined to go and watch the pre-show and then they'll get those numbers up impact is a very easy to watch show i never think it's truly brilliant but it's never terrible it's never dreadful and their commitment to their wackiness doesn't always float my boat doesn't always tick my box but it does put a smile on my face and we're getting kojima versus joe doring and against all odds those two will back each other and violent by design and just an awesome group eric young spent the entirety of this uh, episode just going just saying things like if i was him right now i'm talking he'd then just go design 
And then I went to do this design. And how are you doing design? It just throwing the word. Like, I get it. I know what your name of your group is. But Triple H used to do that with Evolution as well. So if we're going to criticize one, we have to criticize the other. But talking about the Forbidden Door, I'd like to see them in AEW. I'd like to see them everywhere. I'd like to see them in New Japan. There's just something about them. They just work. It's probably the wacky videos and the crazy rhetoric, but Eric Young does so well with it. And they do have terrific theme music. Even if you've never watched Impact, go and type in Eric Young. I assume it's his or Violent by Design, whatever. Just go and type in their entrance theme. Oh, that's tremendous stuff. It suits them down to the ground. And I think against all, when is against all odds? That's not that same weekend, is it? Didn't I say that earlier? Oh, I'm getting confused. I'm going to type it in and that's how we will, we will finish it off. Against all odds with Phil Collins. That's in June. June 12th, is it? That's like next week. Why is there so many? <laughs> That's two weeks tomorrow. Oh, man, there's so much wrestling. But I love it. I mean, double check this. Yeah, June 12th, 2021. Kenny Omega versus Muth. Kojima versus Joe Doring. Deonna Parazzo versus Rosemary. Pretty decent card. And we're probably going to get Decay, Black Taurus and Crazy Steve um, versus... Who are they going to take on? Oh, yeah, Cody Dina and Rhino because they got into it as well. That's good as well. We'll have to wait and see. On that note, I shall thank you again. Make sure you enjoy your weekend of wrestling. If you can support me on Patreon, I'd appreciate it. Shout out to pinsandknuckles.com for always supporting the show. Come say hello on Twitter and Instagram at simonmiller316. Come subscribe to my YouTube channel at simonmiller. I've got merchandise, simonmiller.bigcartel.com. I think that's everything. I usually forget. Give me a subscribe if you haven't already and you've made it all the way through to the end. Nobody ever does because that's how audio retention works. Not true. Some uh, very, a very good few of you do, and I do appreciate that. But yes, have a lovely Fridays. Have good weekends, and I will talk to you next week.